Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am thrilled to have a special guest joining me, a renowned Eisner Award nominated comic author and historian, curator, and the executive director of the Small Press Expo. Please welcome Warren Bernard. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great. I don't know about, but I'll take the rest. <laughs> the rest is just your name. That's, that's great. Um, no, no, no. I, I think, um, you know, people ask, like, how did you become aware of me? How did you get on my, get, how did I get on your radar? And I'm like, I'm observing and I, I follow this thing. If someone piques my curiosity or what they're doing piques my curiosity, I want to know more. And huh. always super excited when people want to just step into the ring and chat with me for, you know, half an hour or so. So it's really cool. It is an honor to say the least. I, I you know, I, uh, wh whatever it is I've been doing that courts your interest, uh, I'm happy for it. And like I said, it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you so much. Um, and as, as we go into this sort of introductory portion, I'd like to start off with, you know, a question of, you know, like what sort of current stuff and then sort of like in the past, I'm going to start off with the current stuff. You know, we're recording this on, I'm going to date it, we're recording this on a Wednesday. So what's been like the highlight of your, your week so far or a highlight of your summer thus far? Ooh, the highlight of my summer so far. I, I did a a sort of comics road trip um, about, I guess, around six weeks ago now that I visited cartoon and comics friends um, up through Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, and then uh, upstate New York and visiting different people that I've met in the SPX community that have become that have become really good friends with. So that was definitely the highlight in no, no uncertain terms. There have been others. I just saw a great baseball game up in Philadelphia last week, uh, last uh, Saturday night. Uh, the Phillies won nine to four. So home runs, drag bunts, which, you know, who does drag bunts here in this third decade of the 20, 21st century? So it was anyway, there's I've got lots of cool stuff. That's great. Um, and I'm really trying to sort out how to do the I, I call it the social trip. You, you did the sort of comic trip to the Eastern like it's you know, I, I was recently, I want to say beginning or maybe pre-summer in um, in New York, and it was like five people I was supposed to visit. And I visited none of them because I yeah. trained at all costs. <laughs> so I was like, now I'm just going to hang in my hotel and figure out where I'm going to go at while I'm up here. But um, definitely when you meet people, especially doing something like this or doing something where you're just encountering a lot of different people who do really cool things. You want to be able to cultivate and and, and, um, and maintain those relationships, so FaceTime and connecting. Well, yeah, but I, I I don't consider it as sort of mechanical as that. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's kind of like you know I, I meet these people, we find out that we've got many things in common. Um, some of it is due to age, some of it is due to interest, some of it is due to position, um, and so. I I don't view it quite that mechanical. It's much yeah. more organic than that. Because there are there are lots of people that I've met through SPX that uh, that for whatever the reason is, either we didn't connect on some kind of level other than being at the show uh, or what have you. But um it's clear that when when you establish, you know, so so actually doing SPX was the entry point. Yeah. And anything after there is just as organic as you going to a concert, and meeting some people, or, 
or meeting someone in class at school or someone at work that you become friends with. So it's it's just the ignition point. Sometimes the fire ignites and sometimes it doesn't. So there's, you know, I, I just want to relate it that there's nothing different between doing it at SPX or doing it at any other job that's out there or doing it at a concert or wherever it may be. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think it gets muddied sometimes where I crave that. I crave the thing that, that feels organic, like, hey, we're out there in the scene or, hey, I had you on the pod. And, you know, I, I do a, another podcast outside of this where it's very different and we cover movies and really get into the nerd minutia of movies. Yeah, sure. But not every one of the 600 plus interviews that I've done goes on to that podcast. It's very small group of like, okay, you get it. We can vibe on that. Yeah, right. It yeah, feels yeah, organic. Yeah. 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 You've, you've got, you've got to have that connection. Um, and, and when you do, you know, it, it's like, yeah. oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> the person at the other side, I know who you are and we could talk about this for hours. Absolutely. So, you know, I said that I want to start off with the current. Now I want to start off, go go back a little bit. I want to, you know, tap into sort of your um, your involvement. Where does it start with um, Small Press Expo and the U.S. Library of Congress, the United States Library of Congress? Like, um, can you share sort of your journey and like ultimately what led to your role as executive director of SPX? Yeah, sure. So when so we'll start with the SPX side, and then I'll kind of you know put them all together. Please. Um, I I live maybe a five seven minute walk from where SPX used to be held here in downtown Bethesda, mm -hmm. and um, I had left my my corporate job, uh, and I was looking for stuff to do. And someone told me about SPX. I think the first one I went to was like two thousand or something like that. And, you know, 2001, there wasn't a show. And then I think it was either 2002 or 2003, maybe it was 2002, I said, you know, maybe I'll volunteer, take a two-hour shift at registration. And then I decided to go to one of the meetings um, with the executive committee, the then executive committee. And without getting it, you know, because I could talk about this for another hour, but we don't have that time. Um, what what eventually happened was, is I was approached to, to take over SPX because of actually because of my corporate background, because of the things that I did. Um, so I, uh, my, my first year as executive director was 2011. And um, I am now, well, actually, I surpassed being the longest running SPX executive director nine years ago. <laughs> well, congratulations. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, th this is my this is my 13th one that, that I have done. Uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. Matter of fact, we're, you know, I'm, um, now I also besides being executive director, I'm in charge of the website. So I've been doing all this web development stuff that it keeps my, cause what I did in the corporate world is I, I had a staff of like 50 programmers working for me, programmers and managers and the support staff and things like that. And so we, we develop large scale computer systems. So getting into the web world kind of keeps my keeps my uh, uh, techie genes active, <laughs> as the case may be. So uh, so I've been, you know, d doing this for a while. And between 2002 and 2011, I was a I was a volunteer, I, I would help out, I wound up doing various tasks, and I just did more and more, I, you know, was in charge of the exhibit room and stuff like that. And I'm the one who found the Bethesda North Marriott has the place to go because the Holiday Inn where it was in downtown Bethesda was being reconfigured and it wasn't going to fit our needs. Right. So, um, uh, so, but somewhat parallel to that, I guess it was around 
2007, 2008, I wanted to do some volunteer stuff. And um, I knew this gentleman who had this very large collection that is now at the Library of Congress. So um, I was able to go ahead and be approved as being a volunteer down there. And they don't take everybody. It was, it was an honor to, to be selected down there. And so I've been, uh, in fact, I was just there last week. So as part of the Library of Congress volunteer staff, what I do is, is I catalog political cartoons. So I, I look at these old political cartoons, literally from, I, I'd have gotten by a book on the Warren G. Harding administration because I knew nothing about, about that. So I take these cartoons and I go ahead and I put historical background, any pop culture references, which there are, artistic references, poetry, um, all of that kind of stuff. And then I also put in what the cartoonist was trying to say through the cartoon and translate any idioms mm. that may, may have occurred. And that goes into the Library of Congress. So I've, I've done that for a long time. And so I had done that for a couple of years and I noticed that their collection basically stopped in the 1990s. This is like 2009, 2010. And so I approached them about, you know, well, there's, there was this SPX thing over here and they have all of this great art. And there's the Library of Congress over here, which loves to get great art. So the issue was not, could a deal be struck? It is, it was, could a deal be struck for this? It was, how was the deal going to be, uh, going to be constructed? And it took about a year. Uh, it's, you know, it's the federal bureaucracy and stuff like that. And, we worked it out so that uh, there was now the SPX collection at the Library of Congress. And every year we donate all of the IGNAT submissions to them. And we have a team of normally it's anywhere from four to six Library of Congress staffers that come through the exhibition hall at SPX asking for donations for the collection. And this particular relationship is unique. There is not another relationship like it in the world that I'm aware of that a comic show of any kind, superhero, indie comics, really doesn't matter, where a pop culture convention, for that matter, has a major institution like the Library of Congress, um, basically picking up stuff as it's coming out. Yeah. And and so if you think about that, it, it, you know, there's now about 10,000 items in the collection. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that the way a lot of these museums and other larger institutions work is, is normally they wait for someone to either donate or sell their collection. Uh, it may be a creator uh, who has a large archive and all this stuff is in it, blah, blah, blah. This is the first time that I'm aware of, and, and, and I've done the research about this, that as we go along, we're collecting the stuff as it comes out. And the reason for that is, is that it was the Library of Congress understands the ephemeral nature of mini comics in particular, mini comics and prints, because a lot of a lot of people, as you know, they'll print up 100, 200 copies and that's it. Yeah. It's 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 totally gone. So we focus on things of an ephemeral nature and also things that don't come to the Library of Congress as part of copyright submission. So there are, for instance, there are a number of Kickstarters in, uh, out there that they have not gone ahead and sent registration copies in. But we pick them up as a matter of course, either by donation at the show or by submission uh, for the Ignatz Awards. So, um, so that that relationship and and it's it's really cool because now 
I mean, I'm aware of the past, you know, over the past, like even two or three years during the pandemic, they were using the collection for different things, either exhibitions or they have, for instance, members of Congress or congressional staff will request to see stuff at a Library of Congress on a given topic. And SPX stuff gets in, gets put into that mix. We've had displays in the um, first floor of the Jefferson Room where they have these large cases out there and it was all SPX stuff. So it, they they view this very well. They they love having the material. And the good part is, is they've done, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't like paying taxes. Well, okay, fine. And, and, and I get that. But when it comes to federal taxes, I don't have a problem because I know a whole bunch of that is going towards preserving the SPEC collection at the Library of Congress. Okay. In fact, when we first started this, they didn't have the right kind of acid-free envelopes to keep the mini comics, and they special ordered them. They, they, they had them made just for the mini comics. They, they had people in the conservation part put together special boxes for some of the special material that we've got. It's unbelievable. And, and it's stored in um, vaults that store the same stuff that you would see in a museum collection. So, you know, all the preservation stuff is there. It's kept in an acid-free environment. The humidity control is there. The heating control is there. And as I tell people, you know, please donate to the library of the SPX collection at the Library of Congress. We will preserve your works till the sun goes supernova. <laughs> I love it. And and thank you for uh for walking us through that. I I definitely, you know, as I it's, it's time passes, right? And, you know, I go back and look at like when I started with this podcast to now, I start thinking of, you know, what's changed, the sort of archival, the sort of um, pres preservation component, whether it be in storytelling or even the subject matter within the stories. Like I can look back into 2019 when I started this podcast and look like, oh, wow, that place doesn't exist that we spent 20 minutes talking about is gone. So being able to have someone's work documented and, you know, it, it be comics, it'd it be something that has things that are very referential to a certain time. It's the idioms you, you mentioned. It's it's great to capture that. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've been looking at working working through, um, as I was telling you a little bit before we got started and working with a you know group of students and um, the whole subject. It's a library. It's a library for this community that I'm in. And I'm like a person that was one of those kids that grew up in this area now coming back nearly 40 and being able to contribute in that way. I definitely, it's really great to hear that that's that sort of connection that, you know, SPX and the Library of Congress has. That's, that's really great. It's like I said, it, it's unique and it thoroughly validates any of the work coming out of the Indian comics community. And I'll never forget the first SPX um, there was a guy who was selling, I, I love these handcrafted mini comics that have special packaging, or it's really clear that it was handcrafted. Yeah. And I went up to this, to this gentleman's table, and I had already seen his stuff before. I go, look, can I go ahead and you know get two of these for the Library of Congress? And he fell back in his chair. He was like, you're kidding me. Really? <laughs> My work in the Library of Congress? I was like, yes, your work in the Library of Congress. So, and And I've gotten that reaction many, many times. So there's there's this historical preservation aspect of it, but there's also the emotional aspect of it. So uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a very cool thing. No, that's that's wonderful. Um, 
I have my own really, really, really janky, non-professional version of that at my own home. Um, like I'm recording from my home studio currently. And, um, you know, I have items like folks will send me stuff and it, it, it definitely feels precious. You know, like uh, I, I had um, one artist, he took my logo that you can see in the background as we're recording and he turned into a small diorama and it's and he he does this work that any small Altoid tins and he recreates things. And I'm like, did you create like operation in an Altoids tin? How did you do that? Or scenes, pop culture scenes and it's just really cool. And I'm very selective of what I keep in this space because I think there's a creative energy there to sound really hokey about it. But to the point, not everything goes in there for something as small as my little, little place, but something that has the backing of like that sort of like, you know, air and it's, it's the U S you know, library of Congress that I would imagine any artists, any creatives, like, there you go. So it's on the resume. It's on the artist statement. It's there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And 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 understandably that there have been um there have been times like for instance with the risograph stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's expensive to produce and it's totally understood that it's like, you know, I only made 6 of these and I really need to make my money back. And so, you know, stuff like that comes up, but that's totally understandable. I you know, we we, we totally get that. Um so sometimes there's some stuff we like to get hands on, but because of um uh, financial circumstance we totally understand that it's not a viable thing to occur although that that diorama does sound cool it's 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 super cool i'll, I'll send you an image of it a little later so let, let's let's shift gears a little bit into you know sort of the the impact right around the uh small press expo um like you know within the the indies comp the indie comic community like we're we're, we're touching on, on a bit there as far as the relationship with the library of congress but like sort of what has been like you know some of that additional impact in, in conversations or just what ways do like people look at like SPX? Like, and again, you know, I was there like last year and it was funny. Like I ran into um, Keith Knight, I ran into James Spooner and I was able to get some interviews out of that and connect. And it was like really great. And I was like, I'm coming back every year. You know, it was a little <laughs> what it was for me, but you know, I'm, I'm, I was very new to it. So as far as, you know, being in the, the role that you're in, what has been that, that sort of impact? Well, um, uh, first, uh, Keith and I are old friends, and he's staying at my house this year for SPX. <laughs> That's great. A doctor. Dr. Keith Knight, as he reminded me. Which right, right. Yeah, right. Dr. Keith Knight. No, although there were those of us that, that we just roll our eyes at that um, attempt at pretension. <laughs> especially I love at, it. Especially at some, somebody who's like addicted to lobster rolls. Okay. How pretentious can you be? <laughs> so so there are actually uh two things that when you, when you look at the scale and scope one of them is is spx's influence as just having an spx people came from new york and toronto and london and they saw spx and they said we need one of these for our city and so there's no to me that there's whether it's in art or comics or even festivals there is no greater compliment than to be an influence. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we were a deep influence that way. The other thing that, that is a big impact is the Ignatz Awards. Um, when, when people write up their little resumes for either their books or on their website and stuff, stuff like that, they always talk about the Eisner Awards and the Ignatz Awards. And the Ignatz Awards have proven to be a, a both a, a stepping stone and a prestige item within the indie comics and publishing industry. 
because uh, you know you see people kind of come through SPX, get discovered, and all of a sudden they're at first, second, or random house, or Abrams, or wherever it may be. Raina Telgemeier is a classic example. She came to SPX and sold her mini comics for like 50 cents or a dollar. You know, and this is the same person who has had, you know, New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> so, so, so that now another area in which SPX is interesting, and I can't speak for the other shows, but at least before the pandemic, I can't speak because I haven't run to anybody since then. We would get people from the animation studios from the West Coast come to SPX looking for talent. Mm. And there are, uh, by my count, at least, was probably 15 to 20 people who used to exhibit at SPX that are now out on the out on the West Coast, either doing development deals or working as animators or working as production designers or working something like that. So SPX was the stepping stone in that direction. Another place is commercial illustration and the New Yorker. People like Lon, do you know Lonnie Millsap? Yes. Okay. So Lonnie, you know, been coming to SPX and he's he's a great talent. I love him. And he's a big basketball fan on top of that. Um and so, you know, he's he's gone to the New Yorker and a and a number of other people. We've had New Yorker cartoonists come down and be special guests at SPX. So that, that's another world in which there's a certain amount of discovery that that occurs. So the, those are the those are the big areas where SPX itself has been an influence. And then you tack on the Ignatz Awards, then you tack on different creative communities coming into SPX looking for talent. Yeah, um, I can even like speak to, you know, going going there last year, I was able to get maybe three interviews out of folks that I've talked about. I bought a bunch of like books and stuff when I was there and I was like, hell yeah, this works. And, you know, I got connected to, you know, I did the interview with Keith and then I got connected from Keith to Liza Donnelly, who connected me to an interview I did in New Orleans. Where, and I was just like, this is, you know, six degrees of separation. And right. it's it's really cool. And it almost takes a bit of the sort of vetting work out of me. It's like, oh, I did this cool interview with this person. They're saying this person might be a great person. Let's check it out. And yeah. it's, it just really works. It really works that way. And I can root it back to the small press expo is a part of that whole equation and trajectory. Yeah, and uh, uh, w once you know one person and, and they like you, that then they'll then they'll do that. As you can tell, there's this big network out there. Um, as a matter of fact, Liza was one of the people I visited on that road trip I, I referenced earlier. Her, yes. her and her husband um, Michael, they've got a fabulous collection of works just from New Yorker cartoonists. It was a real treat going up there. But but yeah, you know, once you get in, the, the community is is very nice and very very tight. And you can get there are less than six degrees of separation, especially if you send me a note, I can make it two degrees of separation for a lot of cases. Well, notes will be coming your way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, so I want to talk about um, about your background. I mean, like, you know, I was seeing a few different things, you know, you know, Eisner Award nominated comic author, historian, curator. There's a lot of you know interesting things about you. As, as in addition to your 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 data background, your IT background, which I didn't see on it at all. So that's even greater. Um, so what what sparked that initial like interest in comics for you? And um, could you tell us a bit about your sort of journey in comics? Well, when when I was a real young you know 
three, four, five years old, my parents would get me the Dell comics. But what truly triggered it is when I got my tonsils out, my parents gave me my first Superman comic. And that was that led me down the road to perdition. It, it, it that that's the one that hooked me. And um, so starting is, you know, uh, th there was uh, in um, junior high school, there was one guy there that was selling me his adventure comics. So I got into Legion of Superheroes and I would go up to the newsstand with another buddy of mine and we and he turned me on to I didn't know about Marvel comics until I was um, 14. Because my neighborhood in New York didn't carry any of them. It was all DC stuff. And so I had a Horizon expansion with my buddy John. He had, at the time, a near-complete set of, of Marvels. And um, so I, I read everything. And I became a huge Fantastic Four fan. So I put together my own collection, which, regretfully, I had to sell um, in college. Uh, and also, by the time I got into college and through college, the superhero stuff had kind of lost its appeal to me. Mm -hmm. And so I got into the underground stuff. I still have all my underground comics. Um, I got into indie comics, which was a little later in, in the 70s. Uh, but then, you know, I I wasn't really the collector I wound up to be until until later. Because when I got into the into the corporate world, my sister said it best. She said I disappeared for about a decade. And so I, I and I only went to, you know, from was probably in the last two decades of the 20th century, I must probably only went to maybe three shows. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I, I started up again um, to put the collection together I have now. I started focusing on um, books. I started collecting books, cartooning books, the same way an antiquarian book collector would collect books. So I'd go up to signed editions, first editions, editions and dust wrappers and stuff like that. So I've got a you know a really good collection of that stuff, and I've got the undergrounds. And then at SPX, that was a Horizon expansion, and I started collecting a lot. In fact, I've got one of the things I do collect. Um, I collect some mini comics. People have much better collections than me. But what I collect is is I collect comics on tabloid newsprint. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so you've got things like like here. Um, uh, well, you you've got uh, uh, a secret prison. You've got a whole bunch of things that have been done in the D.C. area over the years. So um, I've got a large collection of that material. Uh, uh, I've got, you know, lots of first editions, lots of stuff signed to me as part of SPX. Uh, another thing that expanded my horizon, I went into a bookstore. I was I was just out of college at, the, at that point. And I just... You know, used bookstores were a totally different thing back then than, than what they are now. You can't even find them now. Right. Back then, it was a joy to go in. And when you went to the comic or humor section, you had no idea what you were going to see, um, which made that exploration really interesting. And I pulled down a, a book. It was the third New Yorker album, 1930. And I loved it. And yeah. I, I went out off, off in that direction. And then there was other stuff that you would run across going to the used bookstores that if you didn't go in there, you wouldn't have found because the mainstream stores didn't have that kind of stuff. Mm. So uh, so there, there's like a an aggregation. And then there were some people that I thought were historically interested. So I've got um, pretty decent holdings of stuff by Windsor McKay and Will Eisner and Harvey Kurtzman and Adino E. Sims Campbell. 
Elmerson's Campbell. Well, you know about Matt Baker. The uh, so he was the first attributed to be the first black successful black cartoonist, uh, comic book creator in the 1940s. Yeah. A decade before Matt Baker even came along, E. Sims Campbell was the first black uh, cartoonist slash illustrator to be successful. And he had he was doing cartoons for the humor magazines of the day. He had commercial accounts. He was very successful in what he was doing. And while he was doing this, and he had a syndicated strip that yeah. went through uh, King Feature Syndicate. And while he was doing this, he was also doing cartoon strips for the black newspapers in New York. Wonderful. And so I've, I've got a, bu a bunch of his stuff. I've got, I, I think, all of the covers he did for the old, old Life and Judge magazines and, and other stuff. I've got two books signed by him. So it's it, so there are people like that that I kind of went after that I felt were historically important. So I've got that aspect. So I look at it also as a historian. Yeah, that's 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 great. I mean, and and when I when I get into like sort of expo convention season and the you know when I when I go, I think this will be the third convention slash expo that I've gone to this year, and I'm kind of looking for just all right. Who's, who's about to pop? Who can I actually have this conversation with? And who am I going to buy something from? And because it's like, again, it's it's going to be something that I'm going to try to get signed. Um, and I want to protect it. It's not like I'm going to read this like in, in that moment or I'm going to get a secondary copy because I want the side one to be, you know, crisp in a way. But um, definitely having some of those things that, that re-sparked that interest. Um, you know, the other day, it's not necessarily related, but the other day, um, I could tell that with all of the things that I'm doing and the sort of minimal like downtime that I have, I was able to log into, you know, the library website, you know, the the, the central library here. And I was like, web comics, where are they? And I started like reading, um, you know, maybe like spider punk. And I was like, I'm using my downtime to explore this comic. And now when I go somewhere, I have a trade. I have a trade paperback in my uh, backpack with my recording gear. So it's like, yeah, I'm getting to this time. I'm in my pop culture scene. I'm in my um, this season and I'm just ramping up for just being around and being in conversations with folks like you and folks that are, are artists and folks that are writers and, and folks that are like champions of um, comics and that that form. And, and by the way, you're, what you just said reminded me, there's one other thing we do with the Library of Congress I totally forgot to mention. We actually archive web comic sites. Wow! So <laughs> yeah. So um, in fact, um, this guy James Kacholka, his diary comics, the entire run of his diary comics, was on a server that was about to be decommissioned, and he sent me a note, Warren, can you help? Yeah. And we got the Library of Congress, and so there's now a copy of that of all of his stuff down at the Library of Congress. And we've done that, like the nib is being backed up, uh, the SPX website is being backed up. So there's so there's this uh, there's a digital piece to what we're doing there um, because the, these web comics, you know, they're, they're there for now, but you have no idea how long they're going to be there. Right. Uh, so so we do it for that stuff also. Yeah, I have a um, I have a few installments of uh, the nib and the, the studio that was given to me as a gift. And when I saw because it was on the radar, I wanted to have this sort of arc of who can I speak with in these different sort of places because I wanted to, 
like I try to stack, you know, like, all right, we got some comic writers, we have these different publishers and so on. And I was like, so I was like the nib. I was like, I like, I like their style, like what they do. And then it's just like, okay, it's wrapping up. I was like, you know, but, um, well, well you should, I, I, I would recommend like Matt Boers is coming to SPX. Okay. Okay. And so I, I would recommend talking to him because I, I've, I've known Matt since, oh my God, I, I got his first mini comic. He was like, I think he was 21 or something like that. <laughs> so not for a very long time. So I've, I've been talking with him through his entire journey with the nib and the different iterations it's gone through. And um, he would be able to give you a good feel as to what it's like to run a site like that in this kind of a, of a uh, uh, media, you know, media milieu. Got it. That, that, that's, that, I'm, I'm, I'll put that note. Um, that's, that's great. Uh, so let's see, I got, I got three more sort of like real questions and then I have like the rapid fire questions that okay, all right. I have for you. Um, so, you know, is, is there a, a pivotal moment or experience that, you know, comes to mind when you think of your, your journey? I mean, I see, you know, the Eisner Award nomination, I see, as you, you touched on earlier, you know, the historian component, it's, it's, it's great. It's a lot that's, that's in there too. Uh, um, you know, like I've been, if I'm, if I'm answering this question in, in the scope of what I do, yeah, I've been podcasting for close to 15 years and I, I can't think of one. I just think all of them are cool, which sounds so hokey, but also I feel that too, because it's a new opportunity, but what, what, what comes to mind for you as a pivotal moment during this journey for you? Well, uh, there, there are three of them. Okay. Sure. So one of them was of course being nominated for an, for an Eisner award. I was like, You've got to be kidding me. You're making this up. Okay. <laughs> so uh, anyone who doesn't say that, I don't care if I win or not. Most people don't get nominated. All right. So it, it, it wasn't a problem if I didn't win. It was like, I got the nomination. That's fine. I'm happy. Um, so that was one of them. The second one was um, the second, well, the first two shows that I ran at SPX were special in its both ways. Um, the first one was, is, is we had, um, Antel Ness and Roz Chest and Diane Newman lead a panel, uh, lead a slate of mainly women creators coming to SPX that we had this emphasis just on the women, which up to that point, no show had ever done. Yeah. But then the following year, I was able to get, um, Dan Klaus, Chris Ware and the Hernandez brothers to all come to the same show. And that to me was like an absolute mind boggler. Uh, there was a third one when when we did the um, when we did the Fanographics 40th anniversary show. We had, I mean, it was unbelievable. We had a brunch on that Sunday, and there's a photograph of like two dozen of the top Fanographics creators all in one photograph. Ed Pisker was there. Simon Hanselman, um, Charles Burns, the Hernandez brothers. I mean, it was unbelievable who was in that room. It was absolutely mind-boggling. But the, the other one that blew me away, was probably even more so than those, is um, um, being on Cartoonist Kayfabe. Mm. Okay, the Ed Pisker, Jim Rugg channel. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I did a couple, in fact, I was the first person, it was an honor for me. Uh, I was the first person they, they interviewed when they started up the channel. Yeah. And I went up to Pittsburgh and, you know, I thought I was going to sit down with the two of them. They go, no, no, Warren, you sit over there. And it was like I was being grilled like I was I was in a, some kind of job interview. OK, they started throwing questions at me. 
and 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 that one is is still up and and um so every time i come into pittsburgh i would do a couple and what happened was it thoroughly shocked the hell out of me okay that the comment section was like oh yeah what yeah warren you know we want to see more warren stuff like that and the ultimate compliment was after spx in 2019 jim and ed came to my house to do a video tour of my collection a very, a very brief one, which, by the way, you are hereby invited to come over to my house for a tour of the collection. Okay, wonderful, thank you. And so we we did this video, and we bear, you know I would like break something out, speak about it for two seconds, and move on to the next thing. And for the first like year or two, is three, four, five thousand views. It's now up like twenty five thousand views. And last year at SPX, I had two people come up to me and say, Warren. I love the work that you're doing it on cartoonist kayfabe. One guy wanted me to sign his program. I'm like, no, I'm just some schlump. Okay. I, I got, you know, I'm just some guy. I, you know, I, I don't have, no, 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 why? I really want So, you know, I, I signed it. Okay. So, it, it, you know, I go up once or twice a year to Pittsburgh and I, I have the honor of sitting with uh, Jim and Ed. I've done about 30 videos with them on all kinds of different topics, everything from, we did master race and they allow and I was very happy they allowed me the the privilege of talking about my favorite superhero comic of all time, um, Fantastic Four 48 through 50, the coming of Galactus and the Silver Surfer, which to me, okay, try and beat that. I don't care. You're not <laughs> gonna do it. You're not gonna convince me. All right. Um, so so there's there's been this wide range of stuff that we've talked about in terms of comics. We did We've done Concrete, we've done Little Nemo, we've done Will Eisner, we've done a little bit of Chris Ware. You know, there's all kinds of, like I said, 30 different videos we've done. And and that that to me is a is a surprise and honor and a shock. So, so great. I am I'm I'm marking out a little bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like I know every, I know these people. I know these names. I have I have stuff. This is great. Um, so actually, I think that, you know, and, and you made my job a little easier in, in sort of that uh, response. One of my secondary questions has been answered. So that's great. So now I'm down to sort of my last question. And I I think I have a sense on it, but at least, you know, want to kind of, you know, use this to close out the sort of, you know, real part of the um, of the, of the interview uh, before we get to the rapid fire part, which is what I've been told is the BS part of the interview. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for folks, um. You know, coming out. What can they? What can they look forward to? I mean, I'm on a mailing list. I get the emails for you from you. Uh, but what can folks look forward to to uh, this year's uh, XPX? Well, we we've got a, a great slate. Marinaomi is coming, and Bill Griffith, Zippy the Pinhead, um, his Ernie Bushmiller graphic novel biography is coming out about three weeks before the show. So we'll be one of the first shows, if not the first show, to go ahead and have it to view it at SPX. Um, we've already. I can't get into the programming panels. Because even I don't know what they are yet. They no, you know, it's, it's like typical management. It's like, well, you're in charge, but you don't really know what the hell's going on down there. Okay, <laughs> so we we've got I think it's 22 programming panels and I think 11, 12, or 14 workshops, and we'll be announcing those sometime next month. So that that's all done. Um, the Ignatz Awards are going to be on the Saturday night of SPX, and we uh, the nominations are percolating now out of the judging team. Um, you know, it's going to be our normal, there's way, well, how about this? So I, I did it back the envelope calculation. If you spent three minutes at every table at SPX, 
you would not be able to watch any programming, go to the bathroom or eat for the 14 hours that were open. Wow. Packed. <laughs> so, so there's a lot to do. So just getting through the floor is, is a lot, you know, we, you know, once again, you know, we're going to have uh, Fantagraphics coming back and top shelf and no brow and self-made hero silver sprocket. So, so the big indie publishers are going to be, are going to be with us once again. And they always bring additional, just so everybody knows, there are other guests that come to sign at those tables that aren't SPX special guests. Right. So there's, and I have no idea who those people are because they, you know, I always get something from, you know, Top Shelf or Fanta, wherever it is. Like last year, I had no idea that Jeffrey Brown had come to SPX at, at, at Top Shelf's table. I'm like, why didn't you tell, you know, I was like, I was like, Jeff, I had no idea, you know, I, I spoke to Chris, I was like, Chris, you're supposed to tell me when someone of that stature comes. So there's a certain amount of surprise that even I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. So that, that kind of encapsulates what's, you know, what's going on for this year's show. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And I, I think I'm going to switch up because last year was like the first and I was like, I don't know how to navigate this. Um, I'm just trying to like fill it out. But, you know, at a point like you, you touched on, like people are super welcoming. It's, it's a different sort of setup than I've been at before. It's like, Hey, you know, I can chat with folks and it doesn't feel like I'm interrupting them from something else. It's like, no, no, no. Hey, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's really cool. So I think what I'm going to end up doing this year is kind of like, maybe do the the overnight thing. I was there for a couple of hours um, last year and moving to sort of my next stop. But this is going to be more of a, you know, concerted effort to really get dipped this year. And, and um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, one of the big differences between our show and the uh, mainstream um, superhero comic shows is that when you ask for an autograph or ask for something to get signed in a book, they're not going to, they're not going to charge any money. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this goes to the to the very top people, and so that that that's that, that's and and as you say, the vibe is different. You know, as you see, there are no cosplayers. There, you know, every, everyone is just kind of hanging and milling around, and everyone everyone is approachable. Yeah. So it, it 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 is a totally different vibe. That's what I, that's what I dig about it, and I am super excited. And you know, like uh, it's it's always even outside of doing this 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 podcast around it. When there's things that I like, I am an evangelist for it. I never stop talking about it. It's like, <laughs> up, guys, Bethesda, here we come. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Well, how about this? I'm so glad you came, and I'm so glad you liked it. Loved it. <laughs> so. This is the part of the podcast now that I want uh -oh. to hit you with these rapid fire questions. Uh, you know, you, you, were, you were talking earlier, feeling like you're in the interview setup. This is going to be more of a goofy version of it, but okay. uh, but I think you, I think you'll dig it. And um, but as I tell everyone, don't overthink it. Whatever your answer is, is your answer. So I have six of them because I've okay. uh, I've been typing while we've been talking. So uh, <laughs> it was three initially, now it's six. So I told you something. All right, here's the first one. If you could hang out with any fictional character, who would it be? Any fictional character, who would it be? Um, I'll be honest with you. I'll say Superman. Okay. Um, what it, <laughs> this is this is funny. What's something that's pretty ordinary that you're very snobbish or particular about? Crab cakes. You get it. So you get it right, right there. That, that might be the end of the podcast right there. You, you get it. <laughs> As a proud Baltimorean, you know. Uh, what is your favorite color? Blue. Yeah. Uh, 
go-to comfort food, the second food question of this group? Go-to comfort food. Well, um, I uh, pad thai is one of my comfort foods. Um, I like a good burger is a comfort food. Um, pizza is a comfort food. I like it. I, mean, I hear that I hear the Northeast accent, so I'm like, yeah, you know pizza. <laughs> I, I, I was born and raised in New York City. You can take the boy out of the city, but you can't do the opposite. So, do you have a favorite movie? And I know the favorites are always when people get caught, like, uh, depends on the year or what have you. Oh, geez. Um, uh, well, Blade, the first Blade, the Blade Runner would be one of them. Good one. Um, uh, Godfather, parts yeah. one and two. Um, when I was a little, oh, I'm sorry. Well, uh, one of the ones I have to admit from this is when I was a little kid, the original Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, this is the last one I got for you. Um, I, I asked someone this yesterday and I thought it was really funny because um, I like to troll baristas sometimes. I'm like, yeah, can you put enough cream in there that makes it look like my skin color versus <laughs> and they look at me. It's usually I like to troll. I like to troll. What is your go to coffee order? Are you a coffee person? What's your go to coffee? No, order? I don't drink coffee or tea. Oh, really? No, huh. I, I don't drink coffee or tea or alcohol. It does not mean that I don't have other vices that. Shut out. Well, no, it's legal in the state of Maryland now. So, yes, I, I do have. I do have one vice. I love it. It is it is legal. <laughs> um, well, that's actually um, it. Um, you're you're off the the hot seat of the the rapid fire questions. Um, yeah, you made it. You made it. We we survived. Um, so I want to um, one thank you for for coming on to this podcast and spending some time with me. We we made it. We made it happen. And uh, despite trains not cooperating and all of the things. Um, and, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to uh, share with the listeners where they can check out, you know, SPX, any, anything that you want to share in these final moments as we close out of this podcast. Yeah, all the information is up on our website, www.smallpressexpo.com. So go out there. Everything is there. It's all on the front page. It tells you all of the, you know, you click on the box and well, here's the special guest box. And and but a lot of it is going to be announced in about two to three weeks. So more details are going to come out by the middle of August. There's going to be a lot of information on the show. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Warren Bernard from the Small Press Expo for coming on and sharing a bit of his journey with us on this podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture and community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. 